This is a download from Ormskirk Christadelphians of one of our Sunday afternoon talks. A video of the talk is also available along with more downloads on our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk. If you'd like to join us in person, our talks take place at our meeting room on Moorgate in Ormskirk every Sunday at 1.45pm. We hope you enjoy the talk. Good evening to you all. It's uh, good to be here and to talk to you this afternoon on, well, what a character we have to think about and, uh, and talk about uh, for what, some half hour or so. Of all the people who have ever lived on this planet, there's nobody who's had more written about them or spoken about them than the Lord Jesus Christ. So what an amazing uh, time I hope we're going to spend together as we concentrate our thoughts uh, thinking uh, about him. What I decided to do by way of uh, uh, dealing with the the topic um, was to break it up into three specific uh, ways by asking three questions. Firstly, who was and is Jesus? Secondly, what did he think and say to people? And thirdly, what did others say and think about him? There will be a fourth question, but I'm not going to tell you what that is for the moment. I'll uh, leave you in suspense and we'll, uh, we'll deal with that uh, by way of conclusion. So where do we start We've never met him. We've never seen him. We don't know anybody who has. And there's certainly no photographs of him. We do know that many books have been written about him by numerous and and varied people. But there's only one book which really matters, and that's this book that we have, this Word of God, this, uh, this Bible. But when you think about it, all the other books that have been written, they've been written on account of the things that are recorded here in this Word of God. Therefore, it would be reasonable to accept the record in this book is the only reliable source of information available to us. And it is, in fact, inspired by God himself. And so in this lies the, the key to how I propose answering the, uh, the three questions. Because what I'm going to do is allow the Bible to answer for itself. And then we'll be able to judge things for ourselves and not be persuaded by what other people might want us to think and believe. So who was and is he? Well, we have the narrative of his birth re- recorded for us in the Gospels of Matthew and Luke. But turn with me first to Luke's record while we read what's recorded there in Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. And I'd like just to read a few verses from, from verse uh, 26 down to verse 
So Luke chapter 1 then, commencing at verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favoured one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favour with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One, who is to be born, will be called the Son of God. Now those are the plain facts as they are presented to us here in God's Word. And really there's no need for further explanation, except perhaps just to highlight certain facts that we might want to just keep in our memory in order to appreciate the wonderful account which unfolds. Firstly, we note how Mary found favour with God. She had been specially chosen. Secondly, we note how the power from God acted upon Mary for her to conceive. Thirdly, we note how that the son to be born would be named Jesus, meaning Saviour. Fourthly, he'd be given the throne of his father, David. And the fifth point, that his kingdom will have no end. And then we note also that he will be called the Son of God. And so we've just listed there from that relatively short reading there six important factors in our understanding of his background and the role that he has in the future plans that God has for this planet that we live on. Now after his birth the, and the period of his upbringing an important event took place in his life. John the Baptist had been preaching to the people and he'd been preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Now just come with me and uh, 
in Luke and just turn over a page or two to chapter 3. Luke chapter 3. On two verses there I'd like to just read. Verses 21 and 22. And so we read there that when all the people were baptised, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptised. And while he prayed, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved Son, in you I am well pleased. So we can see, I think, the answer to the first question I posed, who was or is Jesus, is coming across, I suggest, very loudly, very clearly to us in these two quotations. He's Son of God, with responsibilities for the will of his Father to be implemented at a future time and Luke actually goes on to tell us that Jesus at about the age of 30 began his ministry and what a three and a half year period that proved to be it's evident at the time of his baptism that Jesus became supremely aware of his sonship as the Messiah of his people and of the cost of suffering that his calling would demand uh, from him. As having given ourselves then some information, interesting information about Jesus' identity, let's now consider some of the things that Jesus had to say. After the baptism of Jesus, we learn that he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. We have another interesting event which took place in his life. For after 40 days and nights, without food, he would naturally begin to feel very hungry. And so he was subject to great temptation. Can we turn to the Gospel of Matthew now? To Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. And I'd like to read here the first four, uh, sorry, the first 11 verses. So we read there, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, Afterward, he was hungry. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple 
and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give him give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. Jesus said to him, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. And again the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then said Jesus to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. So just imagine the great struggle that must have been going on in the mind of the Lord Jesus at this time as these three temptations had to be faced and had to be dealt with. We just imagine how he demonstrated the power of his sonship, as on each occasion he was able to focus his mind upon the demands of his heavenly father. Three times he was able to say, it is written, it is written, it is written. Firstly, to trust in every word of God. And secondly, do not tempt God. And thirdly, worship the Lord thy God and serve only him. <coughs> and so three times he was able to recall in his memory things that he had stored in his learning of the Old Testament scriptures and he was able to overcome the struggle of his mind he could of course have fallen to the temptation but listening doing and serving was more important to him <coughs> Now staying in Matthew and considering the time when the disciples were with him <coughs> he'd started healing people his popularity was increasing it was increasing almost daily and the followers wanted to hear what he had to say so turn with me now to the fifth chapter to those verses that we read by way of introduction Matthew chapter 5 <coughs> we read for example in verses 1 and 2 and seeing the multitude Jesus went up on a mountain and when he was seated his disciples came to him then he opened his mouth and taught them 
And just imagine the great sight that must have been to see Jesus sitting there on a mountainside with multitudes of people all around him and his disciples came to him and Jesus starts teaching. In actual fact it's quite a long discourse that takes place. It goes from chapter 5 right through to chapter 7. And he gives an account there of his Sermon on the Mount. We obviously don't have the time to read it all now. But when you get home and you wanted to sit and read something, have a look at those three chapters in uh, Matthew, chapters 5, 6 and 7. And they give a, a wonderful account of what was happening and what was going on. And what was in the mind of the Lord Jesus at this particular time as he spoke uh, to to the multitudes and to his disciples in particular. But for the moment, let's just read from from verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Yes, we can see there that Jesus is teaching, isn't he, about this kingdom of God. This kingdom that's going to be set up and established here upon earth. But I think more importantly... He's speaking about certain conditions being set down. And what is meant by the inner person responding positively. Of changing one's attitude from self uh, to become Christ-like. Can we just expand on what Jesus is thinking about in these verses uh, that we just read there? For example, what did Jesus mean when he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit? He wasn't thinking, I don't think, of of somebody without money and yet having maybe the means of supporting themselves. No, I think he was thinking more of a poor person as one who is in spiritual darkness and trying to find their way to the kingdom of heaven having that way opened up to them. And also, what did Jesus mean when he said, 
Blessed are those who mourn. No doubt he was thinking of those near ones who had maybe died. But more, I suggest, to do with the, the, the sins of the ones who sorrow and, and one's own sins. And also, what did Jesus mean when he said, Blessed are the meek. Here he was thinking of those who had the courage to see themselves for what they truly are. Having the honesty to be able to submit to God and to his word. And then what about those who hunger and thirst after righteousness? Well I think this has to do with what follows the submission to God's word having the desire for more wanting to be filled with that word wanting to be constantly filled by a continual reading and absorbing of the message contained within it receiving the right kind of nourishment But notice as we look at these sayings of Jesus how he's, he's creating some kind of a thought pattern for his hearers to think about. And I think verse 7 is an interesting one because the merciful are characterised by those who show a caring attitude towards those who are in the depths of despair those who call out for help they can be guided they can be helped by being introduced to a new way of life so what about verse 8 then blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God but it has to be said that nobody has seen God nor can see him. So what does this mean? What was in Jesus' mind? Well, I think if we consider the pattern which Jesus has been developing, it can only be with regard to a condition which can be acquired through this continual cleansing process, which believers experience as they fulfil all the other conditions of blessedness. It has to be a continual learning process leading to an understanding of the nature and the purpose of Almighty God. Not an actual physical seeing but it has to be a mental perception something we learn and get to know about through the action of our mind and then peacemakers they're not simply the ones who try to stop the feuding between nations and people they're those who have become believers having experienced in measure the peace of God and who want to bring that peace uh, to their fellow human beings. Their lives have changed 
and they've become sons and daughters of God sharing a relationship with his son and with fellow believers I'm going to link verses 10 and 11 together because Jesus here is talking about possession of the kingdom of heaven or in other places in the Bible it's referred to as the kingdom of God and he's already stated the stage process which leads to that kingdom but it's not a kingdom which is actually in heaven it's prepared in heaven where God dwells and his son Jesus who is now on the right hand of God is awaiting that time when he will come back to this earth and he will bring with him that kingdom when God sends him back as the Lord's prayer states in Matthew 26 sorry Matthew chapter 6 your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven and so the kingdom then can be regarded as a reward for good service now So we've given some serious thought then to who Jesus was and is. And we've thought about some of the things that he had to say during his three and a half year ministry. I think it certainly highlights, doesn't it, the characteristics of his humanity and the life that he lived. Also the Example that the record of the Gospels leaves for people to think about. Can we just think of what others thought about him for a moment for our third question? Well, we find as we look through the scriptures that when the rulers of the Jews looked at Jesus, they saw him merely as a a carpenter from Galilee. When his mother and his half-brothers came to him, they looked upon him as still one of their family. Now Herod, well, he thought of him to be John the Baptist, raised from the dead. And when his disciples were asked the question, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied that some of the people said that he was Elijah or Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And so Jesus asked his disciples, and what about you? What do you say that I am? And it was Peter of the group. It was always Peter, wasn't it, who was the main spokesperson. It was Peter who replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Yes, Peter in that statement was able to give a right answer, wasn't he? And he gave it on behalf of the disciples. So really Jesus only ever spoke the truth. He spoke the words of his father. So all that he spoke, which we have thought about, was not the sort of teaching that the people were used to 
the scribes would say Rabbi so and so would say this and that they had no authority of their own to teach I suppose much like the clergy in the churches around us today the conclusion of Jesus sermon in chapter 7 states there that all were astonished at his doctrine for he taught as one having authority and not as the scribes and so in a real sense just as angels spoke God's word to Moses Jesus was speaking God's word to the people I suppose we can think of it in a way as if God was speaking to them the lips that opened and closed were those of the Lord Jesus but we can say how the voice would be the voice of God and so they said on another occasion in John chapter 7 that never man spoke like this man and so all this then finally brings us to the last question the one I said we'd leave in suspense and come back to so I'll leave you in suspense no longer so the question quite simply is why should we care or should we care well the point is we live in a world which is turning its back on God it's very much a corrupt world isn't it in all senses we see all around us how that violence is rampant there are issues which give cause for alarm over things like pollution weather patterns seem to be changing through inventions which have never been properly tried and tested there seem to be wars and the threats of wars all over there are earthquakes there are floods there's starvation there are forest fires all events which seem to be commonplace nowadays so when we consider all this then yes we should have every reason to care the politicians of the nations represent the, the power and, and strength of nations and it has to be said they represent the weakness also so who then can be trusted to govern in peace and in safety and all around our planet there are problems problems and more problems then where do we turn where can we turn where do we look Well, really by recognising that mankind of itself is fast losing control of its own existence then we care for ourselves 
and others by an understanding of the purpose of God. And that has to be centred upon his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So what we have, I hope, in a short time this afternoon, in, in looking at Jesus and some of the message that he gave nearly 2,000 years ago, we would hope that that message is sufficiently appealing for us to want to know more about the kingdom of God and the salvation which is offered. That's something which is available. It's available to those who want to respond in a very positive manner. Yes, this planet will be changed. God's kingdom will overturn the kingdoms of men and Jesus will rule in peace and with righteousness. And Romans chapter 6 and verse 23 states very clearly that the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so we need to think very seriously about all these matters. About the message contained within the pages of God's word. So as we think about these things and we see that yes this world does need a saviour. It does need somebody to sort out the mess which it's in. Yes, the Lord Jesus Christ is the one who will fulfil that work. And to us, each one as individuals, to make the right choice. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed that talk. For more downloads, videos, information about what we believe and details of our meeting times, go to our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk.